0: the weekly pseudo academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host Hannah and Wayne. Happy life day, guys. <laughs> Happy life Hi. day. Mav. Happy <laughs> Feast of Stephen. It's Boxing Day.
1: It's yeah, it's Feast Boxing of Day. That's where I was going. Boxing what's Day.
0: The of, what's the Feast of Stephen, Hannah? <laughs> You're gonna be all smart. Like two seconds um, into the show. I don't I've never heard of the Feast of Stephen. What is the
2: You f- have watched the Muppet Christmas Carol, so you have heard of the Feast of Stephen? It, okay, or, I have seen. Yeah, because the Muppet Christmas Carol, which by the way, features Good King Gwynciless, the Victorian Christmas Carol that is like older than the novel. Novel, a Christmas Carol, but it doesn't matter because it fits the theme of the movie, so it's all good. But anyway, Feast of, The Feast of Stephen is celebrated on December 26th, and I don't know much about it, except that it's when Good King Winteless looked down upon The Feast of Stephen. Uh, I'm not that, singing again. I'm not singing
0: again. You're going to talk to me. It was so good last <laughs> week. But anyway, yeah, that considered so like, like a So Feast of Stephen, or as I was saying, Happy Life Day. Pretty sure if, where that's where that comes from. Yes. Yeah. If people, if people have not listened to last week's show, last week's show, Hannah Regal us with her lovely singing voice which is very similar to t-pain's
2: well that's i don't i'm just gonna say i know my range is from kesha TikTok to the muppets (laughs) i've made that joke that's not a joke for like seven years (laughs) i'm just gonna keep telling the truth but that's not what we're doing today we're not talking about no
0: i I mean i'm hoping you sing again because again it was great it was i I very much that's my favorite part of last week's episode was when But anyway, that's not what we're doing. What are we doing? We're doing something a little different.
2: Well, whenever I think of Christmas Mav, what I think of is Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's a thing that happens. (laughs)
2: Well, Star Wars tended uh, to come out around Christmas. Not always. Sometimes it was the summer. And honestly, like when I got into college, my VHS Star Wars Special Edition trilogy were at home. So I had to wait till Christmas to watch them. So like my, you know, my family like had a tradition of like going to the theater and watching Star Wars. Like that was like my parents, like one of their first dates. And then like they passed it on to me and my sister when the special editions of the original trilogy came out. And then we watched the prequels and we don't talk about that. And then the sequel series came out and stuff like Rogue One, so so it's Christmas. It's also, I guess someone should mention the Christmas special, but I don't know if we want to get into that yet.
0: We'll talk about it. Well, but we also we had a request, and as you as we were pointing out before before the air, we had a request a couple episodes ago from one of our listeners, Jim Roberts, is also a listener of my other show, but Jim tweeted at us, and after, just as he was enjoying Andor, the most recent ish Star Wars, again with a caveat, I did watch something more recent today. Andor is the most recent Star Wars thing and it's been doing really well and he tweeted hey you know there should be a Vox Popcast episode about this because I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it and at the time that he tweeted it I'd actually only watched exactly two and a half episodes I had to stop in the middle of episode three so so I was very behind and I just kept being very busy with the end of the semester and so it took me a while to catch up and then the semester ended and I like kind of went on a Star Wars binge so so I've seen all of Andor now what about you guys?
1: Yeah I finished up. Maybe three weeks ago.
2: They finished the day you did, Mav, but I don't Mm -hmm. have grades as an excuse. I (laughs) have just been prioritizing the Muppet Christmas Carol literally almost every weekend. (laughs) But last, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad we're doing this because it turns out I have a whole notebook's worth of thoughts.
0: okay okay good well so this is going to be about star wars in general or star wars recent star wars stuff star wars the television stuff that's happening now or the disney plus stuff and to join us we have a guest this week so i would like to welcome to the show john martin hey john how are you hey great thanks for inviting me this was fun i'm excited hey, about this yeah welcome Hi. to the show so john got here in a kind of circuitous way as i usually do well so the way this happened was one of our other co could not be here today monica was supposed to be on the show we were like oh do we want to have a guest and monica said sam langsdale who's been on the show before she's like sam is a really big star wars fan we should ask her if she wants to come back and i was like absolutely so i texted sam and sam's like i haven't finished watching andor so i can't come on because spoilers but she said i have a friend john who would be perfect so you should ask him so that's where john is so, so john because yeah. we basically know you in order to
3: do the show tell us about yourself <laughs> sure i mean those are both great people i'm sorry you didn't get either of them i you know i'm like the third stringer oh no we but- can talk to them whenever <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> monica- Becca's on like pretty much every week because she's one of the regular co-hosts. Oh, it's yeah, fine. No, they're both awesome and they both know a lot of this stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to be here. I mean, as for who I am, I'm a colleague communication librarian at the University of North Texas. That's like the most boring part of my introduction, <laughs> I think. Okay. So, I think more more relevant here is that I help do a lot of pop culture and comic studies stuff along with Samantha and our other uh, colleague, Spencer, Morales. We were the three original organizers of a series of Star Wars conferences called Realizing Resistance that we've been doing since 2019 and we're getting ready for for the third episode because we're calling that you know we're naming them the same way that the films were named. Oh, that's so awesome. episodes one, two, and three. So yeah, we've been doing do you, eventually these get like years. A, like, do you eventually get like an episode seven and
0: a half that's just like, you know, like it's just like a conference story that it's like a spin-off?
3: Yeah, actually I suspect <laughs> so we're gonna do like conference proceedings in a journal that we run as well. So that'll probably be the yeah, the follow up all of the you know the episodes. So yeah, we've been doing that. We've also organized a couple of comic conferences and other things that, that we just like to geek out on. So yeah, Star Wars comic for me, or my original field was literature. So I was a 19th century Americanist. I know we've got a Victorianist already on the screen here, <laughs> but I was on the other side of the Atlantic doing all the American <laughs> Gothic stuff. So yeah, that's basically my story. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. 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 So anyway,
0: we all watched Andor. And I guess like whenever we do, if you've never heard one of our recap shows before, we don't really review shows other than at the very beginning. So we'll give just, you know, just base impressions, I guess, without any spoilers of what we like. It's it's been over for like three weeks now by the time people listen to this. Four weeks, I think actually by the time people listen to this. So we're going to do spoilers in a little bit and I will play our spoiler warning sound when that happens. But before then I guess we'll just go around and see uh, I don't know. Hannah, did you like it?
2: I love this. I didn't. I wasn't sure at first, but then I was like this is a Dickens novel.
3: (laughs) And what I mean by that We'll go into details. (laughs) What
2: What I mean by that is like it starts off kind of slow, really like builds into character, like sets up things and then it like just sprawls and sprawls and mm-hmm. like it's still connected though and it reminds me of my favorite Dickens Null, Little Dorrit which is all about prisons and capital. Anyway, we'll talk Fair about it later.
0: Well, details, and Spoilers. Okay. Wait,
1: I liked it. it felt
0: like just
1: the pacing of it like it was three short you know, three short series that all dealt with the same character. Very different mm-hmm. mov- movements in it. I don't think I'm as enthusiastic about it as Hannah or some other people that I've heard. I liked mm-hmm. it. I definitely liked it. That middle section with the prison stuff, that was really good. In some ways, and I know this is of what some people liked about it, it felt a little removed from like, it didn't feel as Star Wars to me as some of the other stuff do. We just didn't see as many aliens. We didn't see as many whatever. Some of the signifiers of Star Wars felt missing to me. Mm-hmm. Not that's necessarily a bad thing. It just it mm-hmm. took me a little while to sort of assimilate into what they were doing.
3: John, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I mean, I think that's one reason I'm here. Here. otherwise that might have been a wasted guess but no i enjoy it. i really love the show there are a lot of reasons like and i've got a whole list of you know pages of notes here that i'm not going to read to you but i think there were a number of things that, that kind of drew me to the show i was a fan of rogue one when it first came out so i kind of was already mm-hmm. invested in the character but i think the biggest thing for me especially reflecting back on all these conferences that we've been doing is that it was one of the first of the star wars you know product to really feature a, a person of color mm-hmm. Diego luna as sort of the lead role and it also gives him a backstory that kind of positions him and all of the other folks around him as marginalized people and that's been a theme of our conferences, resistance and social justice. So I think mm-hmm. seeing a show that really kind of put um, those characters kind of a center and really, as Wayne was saying, it doesn't really center all the things that we expect from Star Wars, the Jedi, the Sith Force, you know, the big base battles and all of those things. But it does look at what I call the grassroots of the rebellion, which are, you know, people of color or the working class, mm-hmm. the incarcerated and enslaved people, the criminals and rogues, which, you know, I wrote a paper for one of our conferences on, on the role of Rogue in this universe. I felt like this show just had everything that I was looking for Kind of really wanted Mm -hmm. to dig into. So it's kind of rewarded all those things for me. I
1: I did. did, Yeah, I did like all that just to go back. I ended up liking exactly those things you're saying that we Mm -hmm. saw sort of the margins of the rebellion and the effect it had on the day-to-day people just living their lives as opposed Mm to the people on the front lines, you know, like you say, the Jedi and whatever. It just, it took me a couple of episodes to really kind of see that's what they were doing. And then that's more more novel yeah and that's more on my expectations than any problem with the show so I'll
0: say mine then uh, I thought it was fine I'm probably the most lukewarm on it I will say that I like the second half of the series way more than, than I like than first I, I think I'm glad to see everybody mentioned specifically <laughs> the prison stuff because I thought the prison art is the best thing in the show I loved those I'll say three episodes it's really three and a half you know but like you know I loved those episodes a lot I can't get into it without spoilers as to exactly why there was nothing I hated I was very lukewarm at best on a lot of the early stuff and I sort of there was a lot of me going oh okay you're doing a thing I get the thing that you're doing I just don't care I want to care I want to care a lot because we've talked about this on the show before one of my favorite Star Wars things I love Rogue One I thought Rogue One was brilliant it is one of my favorite Star Wars movies with the Exception of the last 15 minutes where the film falls apart for me because I don't care about Darth Vader killing a bunch of people in that movie. I'll get a, a caveat because I said this to the show, so you haven't heard it. I actually think that the Darth Vader killing a bunch of people scene, like when Darth, Darth Vader shows up and murks like half the ship, I'm fine with that. I just think it needs to be re edited into the beginning of episode four. It doesn't belong in my wonderful little, you know, plucky little resistance movie. Resistance See, and, I did, and I did that in my head. I yeah. was very easily able to do that in my head. Yeah, my my plucky little resistance movie ends when they sacrifice their lives to get the plans to Mon Mothma and I'm like oh my god that's so sad and now I've got to like if I was actually watching this as a standalone movie I've got to watch these people I don't know go do something that I don't understand I mean I do understand it because I've watched all of Star Wars and so like my review of Rogue One at the time and having watched it since I stand by this is I love this but there was too much Star Wars in it I want it less Star Wars. I wanted to just enjoy the dirtiness and the grittiness of this guy, this conflicted guy, and this conflicted girl, Jen and Cassian, as they try and just get through this fucked up world. And I love that about Rogue One. And I feel like Andor is giving me
3: that. So that's what I right. like. I thought all of that would make this the ideal show. It's lucky it little was. resistance show, right?
0: It's just it, the things that I didn't like were nuanced, sort of a oh, okay, I it didn't grab me there the way that you want it to and I think that they largely did in the second half like very much so once they're, once we get to again spoilers once we get to the prison stuff I'm 100% in and even before the prison stuff give details I, I'll say exactly when I started watching when I started really being into the show once we play our spoiler alert but basically I think the show is worth watching it's worth hanging in there I worry is if, if I didn't have this show to do if I didn't have you know a podcast where I talked about pop culture I might not have watched the entire thing. I might have given up by episode three. And then it would have been one of those things where you know how sometimes there's one of those shows where you're you're like, oh, I'd watch this. It wasn't for me. And then like a year later, your friends are like, no, go on, go back and watch all of it. You know, just you have to get through episode six and then like it really picks up and then you got to watch it before before you start, you know, before season two comes out. And for me, that show was Game of Thrones. That's exactly how I felt about Game of Thrones. I thought Game of Thrones was way, way too slow until (laughs) spoiler alert until they kill Ned Stark and I'm like oh this is real now and that's it. so so for me Game of Thrones happened like that people had to get me back into it later and I think I think this would have been that I'm glad I stuck with because I actually very much did enjoy the second half of it a lot is that fair
4: <laughs> I, I,
2: I, is I, that- I will say like I, I think that like the first couple episodes are kind of sl- like Josh and I kind of made this joke as we were watching that like for a while it was like every third episode really like picked up yes for a minute and like I after I realized like what they were doing and like the character work they were building I didn't mind it so much but I, I will admit that like the reason why I'm like I love this is mm-hmm. because of like the you know cumulative story like slow when I say like build. yeah <laughs> like, like, like I'm not kidding about the slow mm-hmm. Dickensian build because like I at one point I had Josh LeReed little Dorrit and he's like yeah this is so slow and I'm like well you're only on page 70 you gotta get to like page 150 before it really picks yeah. up <laughs> and it's like you know like a 700 800 page book depending on what edition you have so he was mm-hmm. like you have got to be kidding me
3: right uh, see, wait, no, no, wait the Victorian Hannah, is like the long novel is right, that what right. I'm hearing
0: right and this works if you know if everyone in the world can date Hannah and then sure you <laughs> know but Josh has that advantage that the rest of the world doesn't have and I think that, I don't know that
2: he would call that advantage
0: like, shall, shall, shall I do the spoiler warning so we can talk about the details yeah, of why we're, yeah, we're, cause, cause I were because I think I think yeah.
3: spoiler alert
0: There we go. There's my our spoiler warning. So this is your last chance. We're going to talk about details of everything that we're talking about. Yeah. So this is a show that's not just about Cassian, which I like. I like that it's a show about the entire Resistance. I not
2: bought, just the Resistance, though. It's also and, about the Imperial. Yes.
0: Yes. And what does Incel boy want to be in the? What is yes. Name? Okay. Thank Serial. you for calling an in Incel
2: before yes. I had to.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite characters in the show. So good. So good. Played by played by Kyle Solier. Solier. I think his last name is pronounced. He was. so good. I loved him so much. And the show was like, my problem with it was once I realized, and this is where I said it started off too slow, I realized, oh okay, this is a story of somebody who does not want to be in the rebellion, just kind of being dragged in. I'm fine with that. And it's the story of you know, this guy who is being humanized, but he is he really is just trying to do his best as, you know, middle management in the Empire. I'm fine with that. I thought those first three episodes were too much slow build because I really I didn't care as much about his home life. And I get why it mattered later. I mean, and I understood that it was going to right like I'm like, okay I know that we're building to something that's going to matter, like probably in episode 10 or 11. But oh, my God, this is just painfully slow. And I just like let something happen because I don't necessarily need to see the rebellion. And I don't want to see a Skywalker. I'm not looking for that. I just want something to happen to someone I care about. And there's literally like three episodes where Cyril and Cassian are both sitting around moping. And it's like, if it had been one or the other, I guess, because <laughs> I, because I don't care about, at least at that point, I didn't care about Mon Mothma yet. And in fact, I was still looking at Mon Mothma as, okay, is this supposed to be my like, connection to the Skywalker saga? Because I don't care enough about Mon Mothma to be into this. And I don't really get into Mon Mothma until halfway th- through the season. So it was a, like a, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of me going, stop putting pieces on the board. Please, someone do something. Something and then luckily, just to keep me engaged every once in a while. Stellan Skarsgård would just like be flamboyant and excellent, and I'd be like, "Oh, thank God!" You're, you're,
4: okay. <laughs> you're back sir.
2: up for a second though yes. to the opening scene of uh-huh. this show. Okay, it's it takes place in like the Star Wars version of like the Red Light District. Yes,
3: yes, Blade Runner. It reminded me a lot of Blade Runner. <laughs> both, I think, both. Yeah, those are yeah. both. I think accurate. It
0: is a dirty, a dirty land with bad people. I loved it. Yes,
2: like, and I, I actually think that that opening scene, like. I didn't realize how important it would be later to, like, mm-hmm. one of the, like, themes of the show, but, like, we open with, like, the trafficking of women, and we, in, oh, not entirely, but we also end with the trafficking of women in terms of, like, Mon Mothma's daughter, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I originally was just like, like, I originally just thought that scene was there for, like, oh, this is adult Star Wars now. No, 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 like, no,
0: Star, Star Wars is like poetry, it must rhyme. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: well,
2: you know, like, I thought it was like, this is gritty adult Star Star Wars yeah. now, like mm-hmm. he's in, he's like in the red light district. He's you know murdering people. It's gritty. It's dark. But like all those, like
0: he says the word shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, oh, Josh made loads joke about like the strong course language warnings. Like what, how many times with the NC Nerf herder. Anyway, but like I originally thought, okay, so this is just like a sh- a show like trying to be grim dark. But I actually didn't feel that way by the end, and I think that like the themes they embedded in like that opening sequence, like really like came back around so uh, what I'm saying is like I know it was kind of like a slow build I say as I talk about like Cassie and like killing someone in accident and then murdering the other guy mm-hmm. in cold blood but like you know I was like alright <laughs> cool <laughs> and now I'm like no let's talk about this because this turned out to be like it becomes more interesting in hindsight to me and I, and like the showrunner actually said something similar when people complained about the slow burn he was like but would what happened in like the last couple episodes matter if we didn't take time for the slow and Mav, you, you say, well, maybe they could have been a little faster.
0: But I, I honestly, I think it would have mattered because, and I, I mean, I'll see what John and Wayne think here. For me, I was like, at the end, when you're having that slow burn stuff, would it matter? Yeah, because I don't need to see your childhood in order to get that your mom raised you, your adopted mom. Like I like I get why it's important. Like I understand what they're doing, but there was just so much of it. And I expect it will matter next season and fine, but I'm not watching next season yet. And like I don't know that this would have kept me if it didn't have the brand name one. Like that's that's the honest truth of it. Like I like if it didn't, if it was not called Star Wars if this was just called, you know, the adventures of, you know, space of John Rebel. S- yeah, of, of Space Re- space Rebel Anderson, right? Like, I I mean, I'm would I be all in on it? And I don't think I would have given it that time. And I mean, if you guys are, if you're listening to this and you're like, doesn't he say that about Marvel movies a lot? Yeah, he does. And that's kind of my, <laughs> that's kind of always my bar, right? Like, like, you know, you have to engage me with the story that I'm watching. Like, I largely hated Doctor Strange because everybody was like, well, yeah, but if, you know, you're not not taking the Wanda vision of it into account, and I'm like, well, I am. I don't agree with it, but moreover, I shouldn't have had to have seen that. Like that was, and that's kind of how I felt here. Like I felt like a lot of me going, eh, I just kind of trust that they're going to go somewhere with this because it's a Star Wars, and I, and they did. But like, I just, I don't think I would have hung with it. I don't think most of us will keep reading Little Dorrit past page seventy. I just don't.
2: I, I mean, that is true, but it hurts me. <laughs> <That's bad. laughs> To be fair, most people wouldn't even open Little doors. <laughs>
3: also true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about the slow build, because I feel like, you know, as Star Wars products go, this is definitely one of the slower ones. I mean, it's also one of the longer of the series, at least mm-hmm. the newer series, not counting like the animated Absolutely. shows. But, you know, it, so it takes that time I think on purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I like the slow build up because I am kind of a you know, prime noir kind of reader who likes to, to see the suspense from the story kind of build. But I think for me, the reason that matters in this show is that it's trying to give us a sense of how resistance and rebellion develop. Yes. I think in other shows, like people are just in like automatically or they're out automatically, whereas here we have to see where it comes from. And I think it takes a time because it wants us to understand where all of these characters are ultimately coming from. I think my favorite quote in the whole series is that the character Vel, Sartha, who's one of the, you know, rebel agents there. She says, everyone has their own rebellion. And I mm-hmm. think to me, that's the theme of the whole show because everyone that who eventually joins that rebellion, you know, whether directly or indirectly. They have a whole history of like personal trauma and loss and motivation to oppose this empire and all the stuff that it stands for. But we have to see that. Like we have to see why it is that each of these characters eventually comes to feel this way. And it's not automatic and it's not quick. It's something that kind of happens over time. That's what they were getting at with leading up to these things. Even, you know, the bad guy, you know, our incel, I feel like, you know, all those moments of him being, you know, humiliated and frustrated and having the dinner conversation conversations with his mom, like Mother. all of this stuff, which is <laughs> hilarious. So I think those it's are so hilarious good. because it's building this resentment, right? This petty mm-hmm. anger in him that eventually leads him to get involved. But it takes that that extended humiliation for him to finally like crack, mm-hmm. right? So that's, I kind of enjoyed it for that reason. And but you're right. I probably gave it time because I knew where it was going. We all know that it ends in Rogue One. And so right. if we like Rogue One, we're willing to wait. But I kind of enjoy that that build up, that character build up.
2: <laughs> Some of us actually didn't really like Rogue One, actually. I yeah. thought it was a wasted potential. And in fact, I don't know if there is a recording of me complaining about this specifically, but one of my critiques of Rogue One is they had an amazing cast, including Diego Luna, and they introduced a lot of characters with great potential really quickly, mm-hmm. and they proceeded to kill all of them.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Which so, I like. yeah. yeah, which I liked, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like
2: they weren't fully developed and like you didn't like totally get their story and now you're getting Cassian's story. Story. but like there there was more they could have done with those characters and I also like have quibbles about whether they needed to kill everyone off that's another thing we don't have mm. to retread that in fact I actually later did go back and re-watch Rogue One and I actually like have a argument to pick with the internet to defend its very last bit of ending that everyone hated but I actually have decided that I like
0: I mean the princess we're in spider yeah. the princess yeah. of well, I thought that was fine like yes like, I get that I get that the, the CGI was not where you wanted to be you know we're working on it. It was was, she was a little fake looking, but I like I liked her being there. So
2: a lot of well, a lot of people that I saw and about like her getting the plans to the Death Star and someone asking her, you know, what is it that they've sent us? And Leia just says hope. And also like people didn't love that, like, you know, Jen is when Jin is like giving like her speech about like why the rebels should act. And at the time, like the rebels are like debating whether they should even continue the rebellion because Mm. they're like so panicked about the Death Star. You know, she's like, well what choice do you have? You know, like Jin says, you'll give way too much to an enemy, this evil, and you'll just like, condemn the, the galaxy. So like, you have to fight now. Like, we need to like, get the Death Star plans. And someone responds to her, you're asking us to invade based on nothing but hope. And she said, you know, rebellions are built on hope and everyone, but well, not everyone, but a lot of people, are like, yeah, this is schlocky, like mm-hmm. hope, hope is just like an optimistic thing. But recently, pull out one of my books that I like sent Mav that was like, look, I've been <laughs> reading. I've been reading. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) because Star Wars reminded me of things. So I've talked a bit before on the show about Maryam Kaba who wrote We Do This Till We Free Us. She is an abolitionist and writes arguing against the prison industrial complex and critiques the police. And in the book We Do This Till We Free Us it's like a collection. She like has something called Hope is a Discipline which is an interview that she did in 2018. And so she's like explaining that like hope is not optimism. It's not an emotion. She says like it's really helpful to practice around organizing and that like the hope is discipline is something that like is a grounded everyday practice so it isn't a feeling it's like choosing to act in whatever way you can and choosing to participate in collective care and collective action because you believe in a different kind of world and I actually like while watching rogue one and also thinking about the politics of the andor series to get back to what we're really talking about I think that actually like, there was more of an undercurrent of like rebellions are built on hope they're built on collective action they're built on choices even if it means sacrificing your life or your comfort or insert thing here that's like what the you know people behind Rogue One were arguing not like some fluffy emotion that you can just like write off or that's crushed by like sadness yeah, or like a lost battle. One,
0: you mean you mean the actual creative team not like people who just yeah. liked it okay okay yeah
2: the, yeah the creative team behind Rogue One I think that like that's what they were going for and I'm more I know it's like not the same people but I'm more convinced now watching like Andor that like these politicians particularly, you know, behind organization and collective action were there. Like, we, I've, we've i talked about, like, in past Star Wars episodes we've done, about, like, moments where I've seen this, like, kind of potential in the sequel series and, like the original. But we all know that those movies are kind of a mess,
0: literally. I like one of them a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's the one probably the most people think. Just like in the prequel series, my favorite of the prequel movies is the middle one. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because the thing that I like on Star Wars, and again, I understand, like, you know, this is a show for people who are nerdy English majors like professionally <laughs> you know so, so so to me the thing that i love about star wars is that episode 2 tells us that the entire star war as it were starts because of an argument about trade tariffs and campaign finance reform and i'm like yes of
1: course like <laughs> because of that, course it would how these things start right yeah that's how wars work right
0: yeah it's like you know it just it, everything devolved from there a civil war arrived because of the thing that makes civil wars eru- erupt you know uh, an argument about tariffs and you know and power and like where power rests with the senate versus the executive branch and I'm like yes I am I am so in on this and that's what I loved about the original one and I loved about Rogue One that this is why Rogue One is like one of my favorite Star Wars movies is because it basically tells us look yes your lovely story about the space knight running around with his laser sword is all well and good but like if there's a rebellion, there's a dark side to this. And there's just some people who are not nice doing some not nice shit. And also, and here's where I quibble with Hannah. Like I understand Hannah's point, but also the reason I like Rogue One in and I like everybody dying is that in a war, lots of people die who probably shouldn't, right? It's a way, it's just yeah. life that it is. I, I mean, know I love that lots of scene. people die.
2: Yeah. I know, but like at mm-hmm. the same time, they were able to kill off a bunch of characters and be edgy yeah. without like actually killing off any characters characters sure. we know and also there are mm-hmm. other horrors of war that you could deal with like oh, the, like like you know mm-hmm. like Jen and Cassie and get close one of them dies tragic
0: yeah no I oh yeah I absolutely get that you could have done it over the way but I'm just saying the things that I like about it are in many ways some of the stuff that a lot of people don't like it, like well where's Luke? It's like I don't care. I so don't care about anybody Skywalker in that I loved the Ryan Johnson movie because the Ryan Johnson movie is mostly about how the stupid Space Knight story doesn't matter as much as like, you know, yeah, there's bad people on both sides. When Benicio Del Toro's like, yeah, you know, I sell arms to both sides because that's because I'm an arms dealer and that's what they things do. Like, I like when politics are in my Star Wars so much that the people who think they like Star Wars but don't understand that can't ignore it. That's what I really like about it. And this show was that. That's what I like. So once this show just becomes about the question of, hey, maybe the prison industrial complex is really just about capitalism and not about whether somebody did anything wrong or not. I was like, fuck yeah. Okay, now I want, now I'm all about this show. When Cassian's like, I'm just a tourist. I mean, and he's not, you know, he's lying. Like he, like I, like he has every, they have every reason to want to jail with jail him. He is a war criminal, but like he's arrested on accident and they're just like, we don't care. We need people to like, you know, make widgets in our little, you know, our little slave factory here. And that's what it becomes. And I love that state. So like, that's where I was suddenly in on the show.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm agreeing with what both of you are saying in part like I with Hannah, I agree that you know killing off all the characters wasn't a problem with Rogue One. It was more that we didn't really fully know the stakes of it. But we didn't get the backstory. We didn't know their full story. We didn't know where what all was invested for them in the sacrifice. Right. Whereas now we're starting to get some of that at least for Cassian. And that's one of the things I do like about the show that it's giving up. It, I feel like when I watch Rogue One later, I'm gonna have a lot more invested in it just because I know this backstory. And again, that's why I kind of appreciate you know them taking their time and kind of building it up. But yeah, the politics too. I think is partly with most interesting to me about the show. I'm really interested in this whole concept of resistance and what that looks like and where it comes mm-hmm. from because we, in all the other Star Wars movies, we just get the rebellion as if it's monolithic thing and these are all the good guys fighting the bad guys, right? But now mm-hmm. we're starting to see that resistance isn't as simple as that, right? That it has all these different, you know, mm-hmm. effects. Like, there's political resistance. You have Mon Mothma who's kind of leading this sort of political buildup, right? And then you have ideological. I really like the character, Nemic, even though we don't get to him very much because he writes his manifesto, right? Which which will eventually start to influence Kathy and it's low, but he eventually mm-hmm. will read it and start to think about it. And then we have Luthen with all his espionage and subversive stuff. Mm-hmm. But then we still have Saw Guerrera out there, right? Who's either yes. a resistance fighter or a terrorist, depending on what you how you yeah. see him. Which is how then, which then, is then, how resistance
0: fighters work. That's exactly it, right? Like right, right. resistance fighters and terrorists are the same thing. The people who founded right. the United States of America were terrorists. They overthrew a government. It just worked well, out for them.
2: Well, <laughs> at also- this point, I was gonna say I couldn't help but think like with this show in particular about Transvenant's, like, The Wretched of the Earth. Yeah, I'm gonna pull out another nope. philosopher. And, you know, like, I, you know, I've already always argued that it's imperfect in how they do it, but Star Wars at its heart is an anti-colonial, anti-imperial text. I mean, it's not very hard to argue this because mm-hmm. you're you know, fighting the Empire. Nevertheless, it's an argument there Star, are Star
4: scur- anti-
2: um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but, like, when you open The Wretched of the Earth and go to the section on on violence. The first thing that's said basically is decolonialization is always a violent event,
4: which frankly yeah, and it, sure,
0: absolutely. makes sense. Right. I
3: was gonna say that's kind of where I was going too. I mean, because we have those like those major characters and representing their types of resistance, then over time we also get like the spontaneous protests and the prison riots and these mm-hmm. you know everyday citizens starting to fight back in, in their own little ways right against oppression, and that's really what the resistance is, and that's where the rebellion ultimately gets its energy. I mean, you have all these leaders obviously trying to pull their strings and do their part but none of that means anything And that's, i don't want to jump to the last episode here yet but i mean any that's what we're seeing there is that, that this none of this means anything until you get all of these oppressed people themselves feeling like they now feel empowered to take action right and that's where the show is going but it does take yes. it takes some time to get there and it's a long slog but that's one of the things i like about it and i feel it mm-hmm. does give rogue one a lot more richness once we get back to that point
2: and I would love to talk more about the rebellion and those final episodes but I actually like I am curious about what you all thought about like the flip side of that which is as we've talked about a little bit already we get some very main imperial characters that are some focus yeah. at least with people who side with the empire so like in the first couple episodes we have Tim who is a petty boy who turns in Cassian <laughs> because he's thinking that Cassian and Vix are back together which okay that's the great reason to call the cops on someone. Uh, That sarcasm, don't call the cops. Um, And then we have Cyril, our incel. We also have Deidre Miro, who I feel like in any other show would be like what I am finding a lack of a better word for and I mean this pejoratively as like the girl boss character of like he would be cheering for her as she like (laughs) deals with like her male coworkers who are being like dickish and like not paying attention to her ideas, but like, maybe
0: she's the head and cop. That, <laughs> yeah, well, so I,
2: I, 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 like, by, by like, I mean, any other show, I mean, she would be written slightly differently in any other well, show, even if she would be in like the gross position. Well,
0: yes, except for like, I think I don't want to say any other show because I think the, diff- the difference between girl boss who you root for and Meryl Streep and the devil wears Prada is like two lines of dialogue in your overall script, right? Like, so like, yes, <laughs> I agree with you, but I think that often I, I think that you can very easily make most of that character the villain or the hero of the property just based on how everyone <sighs> reacts to, you know, are you being a tough, competent woman or
1: are you being a nice bitch? You know, literally. I, what, what, we could re, we retell her entire story in a madman, madman-like style, right? Yeah, yeah yes.
2: but what I'm thinking about in particular is like the way that she has to fight back against her male co-workers. Like, like, like that's what I mean by like the story that people would like automatically root for in another show. But like, I mean, it's like
3: there are moments and we almost root for her. I don't know that we ever fully do, but like in those meetings with the IFB officers, right? And they're sitting around like stabbing each other and trying to get one up on each other and get Major of out of the favor. I mean, we're kind of rooting for her, right? Because she's the most interesting and clearly the smartest one in the room. Because, yeah, you know, There's that impulse to say, yeah, go. And then we realize, <laughs> wait, we're rooting for the, <laughs> for the bad yeah, guy here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Sure, in that she's the best of the assholes, sure. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah.
4: yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, the most I think like the worst scene, and by Worst, I mean, no, I take that back. <laughs> One of the several scenes that like made me really feel icky mm-hmm. is when Cyril basically stalks her, and he's yeah, like, "You it, are yeah. the light." Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm, I'm, feel, <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> icky just remembering that. <laughs> yeah, and
2: I'm like, and I was like, "What am I supposed to like?" This is oh, oh I grow. I, I can't <laughs> even finish sentences because <laughs> it's the second worst thing.
0: Well, yeah, and we keep saying he's the incel character, right? Yeah. That's his whole thing, and I don't mean that. I mean, I do mean it. Pejoratively, but I mean it pejoratively in the best way. I wonder, and I'm amazed that Andor's doing, and it's not doing gangbuster numbers. It's doing okay. I did check the ratings. It's, you know, it's not a top 10 Nielsen show, in, even in the streaming world, right? It, it's a, but it's being respectable. <laughs> and I, I wonder if, if the people who are primed to not like too many politics in their Star Wars or not like, you know, not like seeing MAGA World as the bad guys, are they just not seeing the show? So here's what I'm getting at. Like, Hannah, I know you haven't watched the boys yet john have you seen it some of it yeah okay and wayne you have seen it right Or you seen some of it no not okay so one of the things with the boys is it got really popular and then there was a backlash this season where some people were like hey why are you making fun of maga people because they suddenly realized that the bad guy was a (laughs) trump parody and like literally has been for three years and like the fact that you're just picking up on this now makes me wonder about you because it's been pretty explicit that they were doing it like the bad guy gives essentially the I could shoot somebody in the middle of Central Park Beach and like sort of does it right like there's literally he's very clearly being that and there were people who didn't even realize he was the bad guy and then they got upset because they like suddenly felt like the show turned on them and I would expect more of that out of a show like Andor but I wonder if the people who are primed to just like make their get woke go broke comments and bullshit like that have they just already been turned off Star Wars because the last couple of years haven't gone well for them <laughs> you know what I mean like, like and I'm wondering like I'm wondering if they're just like you know at this point they're so sick of rays and gins you know female heroes being important and you know the main character of the Obi one show is Leia <laughs> and they're like ah, what, what, you know, how did that even happen and like and I think they're just are they did they just not get Cassian or were they just so bored by that first episode where which is like such a slow burn that they didn't get to the the point where, you know, they get to see that this is a show about politics and about being on the right side of history and, you know, all the things this show is about. Did they not get to see themselves being incels?
2: Who can say? So, like, I saw some tweets just generally out in the world by people saying, you know, like, if one thinks they they would be on the side of the rebellion, but, like, look at the world. Yeah. And look at, like, what's happening in the United States, for example, and, mm-hmm. like, think about your politics in this world. And, like, mm-hmm. do you really think that you'd be, like, a rebel they're the like- thing
1: is that so Correct. many of the MAGA people, all that stuff, they believe they are. Well,
0: and you I mean they
1: it? are. Well, they are. They are re-
0: So, if what is the insurrection if not a ra- yeah, ra- I, right? Yeah, right. I get that. Now, I might quibble with their message, but they mm-hmm. are rebels. But I. They're not anti-imperial.
2: The yes. They're not anti-fascist. Right. They're, like- they're a lot more. They're a lot
3: more like rebels. the clone, <laughs> They're a lot more like the clones who get an order and immediately act on it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. it's the previous mm-hmm. insurrection right
2: like I, and so like one thing that speaking of the you know imperial like characters the one thing that I found really interesting about their stories is like the Empire only cared about them in as far as they were useful like Tim Man. was killed in cold blood <laughs> by the same yeah. people he called to Ferex like, like like yeah but I mean like you know he just siding with the Empire doesn't help you as an ordinary citizen it's against your mm-hmm. own interests literally like yeah. it's against like your own life, then you like, we have. I
0: mean, like being a MAGA person, yeah, sure. Then
2: yeah. we have Cyril, who like is so loyal to his division. Like he acts against the lazy bureaucrat who wants to just show good numbers, and therefore gets himself fired. And, his life. Yeah. I mean,
0: he just yeah. not He can't go on, which I think is amazing. He is literally the guy. Well, if I don't have QAnon, what do I have? Like that's who Cyril yes. is, and I think and, it's amazing.
2: And like Deidre, like the the things, like the moment that she stops performing. I mean she's gonna get eaten alive. I mean like we, we see this like in, in snippets in like the other movies. Like we, we see Darth Vader choking people out, for example, when they like fail, but like never like this kind of like in depth like again and again, like this the, the empire will eat you and consume you mm-hmm. even if you're part of the parasite in whatever way that is.
3: When you're no longer line- guys funny. actually like warns her of that, doesn't he? I mean I can't remember the exact line, but he basically says something to that effect that like you gotta mm-hmm. watch your back because you know at any moment you you could be the next one up. So I think she knows that too, which is why she's so driven to, to succeed because she understands mm-hmm. how the system mm-hmm. works. She's very mm-hmm. good at working it, but she also knows that if she messes up, she's done. Mm-hmm. I think that
1: I, but it has no other pathway before her. You know, she's caught up in that system. Mm-hmm. and yeah. Sees no other alternative. You know, but there's to, no out. For to become her. yeah, there's no out to, other than to become more and more of what the empire needs. By
2: mm-hmm. the way, is a theme of Little Dorrit that every avenue in society is a prison which, you know, like takes us... (laughs) To prisons, which I don't think I've ever seen on TV. Like I, people were talking about it on Twitter, and I was like, "What? What do you mean? Like this show is like pro abolitionist, like anti-prison industrial complex." And I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. so it's literally about the corruption of the police." Yes, it's about like how the law does not work for you. Literally, you're put in prison to be like enslaved to make things mm. until you like die. Which, like, by the way, a reminder to everyone: people in prison in the United States. States are cheap or free labor mm-hmm. like like literally some states this past election voted to end slavery and what they meant by that was like in prisons to some mm-hmm. degree and like they they taught they showed how like you're dehumanized in prison which you know like we banned books in prisons in the united states like we have a huge incarcerated population but like you know they like they were interested in keeping the body healthy by feeding them that mm-hmm. junk and like you know keeping them performing a cog and a wheel until they literally die and then they like also, the things they were making are literally tied not just to capital, but to empire, because they're being fitted to the Death Star in like that final credit scene. Like, yeah. I, and
1: was anybody surprised by that final credit scene? Because I kind of assumed that's what they were working on from the moment yeah, we saw them time. working on something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just want to point. Out, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you were this has been joked about. It, if you're gonna before, if you are building something to the scale of a Death Star, the Death Star is a building the size of the moon. You can't do that without slave labor. It's the mm. only way to do it. Just like financially reasonably, you just need to employ slave labor in order to build something of that magnitude, which is why they did it. It's why we use it's why we use, you know, impoverished labor in the world today, even though we like to pretend <laughs> that we don't. You know, we've talked about this on every fashion episode. Uh, world Cup. I guess. Yeah, the World Cup. But I was going to say in every time we talk about like cheap fashion, that's, you know, mm-hmm. if, we've talked about this before. If you buy a $10 t. Shirt, you have you have done something that abused somebody. It's impossible to make a T-shirt for ten dollars. Just think about the craftsmanship and the raw material that goes into t T-shirt. It cannot be done, and that's just how it works. So I would point you. You said you hadn't seen anything else that does this. Any other show that addresses this, or just the new Black? It's largely what it's about, especially after the first season. Like they they go very in depth in the fact that this that the prison system largely exists in order to continue the maintenance of cheap labor it's a yeah. really good that, to, like, yeah, to make money yeah that yeah. mm-hmm. I think yeah. a lot of people in our I mean I love that show I yes, think so a I. lot of people in geek world maybe didn't give it as much chance as they probably should have because it doesn't have laser and explosions in it and it's you know and it's a girl show. show like it's literally oh this is a show by women starring only women who wants to see this so good such a good show about the prison industrial complex that's what mm-hmm. the show's about <laughs> like, yeah
4: mm-hmm. and,
2: and but like one thing and I can't comment on the orange is the new block, like I didn't miss that yeah. there are two she was the world. So, yeah, and, like what I like what I also appreciate is like they they kept hammering home like this is also like tied not just to capital but to empire and mm-hmm. it's going to be put into like a mechanism to create even more violence and attempt even more population control in terms of what, like what's being produced in like prison. And I can't what can I say? I was riveted by the prison mm-hmm. stuff.
0: And Andy Circus too, by the way. Just yeah. Andy Circus oh, yeah. becomes yeah. a major character in this so good. I was so So I mean, I thought he was amazing. He made this episode, Hannah, with your thing about people living and dying, and yet, do you think he lived, or do you think he does he go on to become Snoke fifty years later, or is he just like? (laughs) You
2: know, we didn't see a body, and I know that the final seasons of Game of Thrones thought it was okay to not show bodies, Hmm. but season two of Andor is supposed to cover like the next couple of years before they like before he um, dies, (laughs) before they can meet up with like the Rogue One characters. So I mean, I don't feel like it's out of the realm of possibility. We'd see him again, but giving a speech about how, like, they needed to stop the work, get out of their cells. Yes. Like, you know, I'd rather die trying to take it's them down speak. than giving them, yeah, <laughs> what they want. Like, just like giving that speech and not just like saying, like, stop working, but saying, mm-hmm. like, if you see someone who needs your help, like, help each other climb. Like, that that, that constant move toward, like, mm-hmm. let's do collective, act, like, like collective action and, like, let's help each other. Like that. I mean, I feel like there has to be more than two prison survivors, even if we don't know that I'm there sure, are more yeah, than two prison
0: yeah, survivors. Yeah. The guy who can't swim. I mean, and it's yeah. like they're in the middle of they're in the middle of nowhere. It was such great tragic dramatic irony that yeah. like maybe he lives, maybe he dies. I mean, like from a story point of view, I'm okay with him dying because I love the dramatic irony of it. From a selfish point of view, the world needs more Andy Circus. So, yeah. like, <laughs> so, like I mean, I just want to see more of him. So and he was so good in it. But like, I'm, I'm okay with it either way. And you know what? Just give him a third Star Wars character. It's okay. Yeah, I was
2: going to say bold prediction. He comes <laughs> right. back next season as a third Star Wars character. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm fine with that. Andy Serkis can be, you know, some actors like to use the same actors in several roles. Like if, I don't know, if you like watch Kevin Smith movies, all of his movies are connected. And then there are some people who are just Kevin Smith actors play like, you know, like Ben Affleck plays like six different characters across the film. So <laughs> it's just, that's just how it is. Deal with it. One of whom is Ben Affleck, you know, so... Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, just like, yeah, whatever. I, I think you can do that. So I loved the prison episodes entirely. That was where the first couple of episodes, they were having, I was having trouble holding my attention. It's like, uh, maybe I'll do a little bit of grading during this, you know, you know, but because I just felt like they were so slow burn by just before the prison episode, I was very much getting intrigued to where I was really watching it. Prison episodes, I'm like, okay, maybe just one more. Okay, maybe just, oh, I guess I watched three and a half hours of Star Wars tonight. All right. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Like, they were so good. So that's where. I was like really all in on on the show was one, once he gets arrested and once I see that, you know, they're really taking this, you know, the prison industrial complexes is hell. It is part of the capitalist system. That's all it's there for. The crime doesn't matter. The people's lives don't matter. Maybe they live, maybe they die. Who cares? They're just part of the machine. Like everything about that. I was just like, this
3: is mm-hmm. so good. Well, you know, I loved obviously Andy Circus was amazing and that character was great, but I feel like on some level it doesn't really matter if he lives or dies because yeah his story leads us directly. It reiterates the theme that we're going to see again with Marva. We see it with Luthen mm-hmm. and ultimately we see it with Cassian which is that these are the invisible you know, rebels, right? These are the mm-hmm. ones is, that mm-hmm. people don't see and don't recognize at least as as sort of the leaders, right? Mm-hmm. But they're the ones who inspire the sort of grassroots resistance, right? Mm-hmm. And they do that through their sacrifice. They do it mm-hmm. by, by being unselfish and not getting a medal after they blow up Death Star and not, you know, getting all kinds of legends. Written about them, these are the people who are going to go unknown to the vast and majority the of people Lufin in the galaxy. Right? Luther's yeah. like,
0: yeah, we're going to sacrifice some people I love. Okay, that's just going to have to happen. It's fine.
3: Like, yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is the theme, right? That all these mm-hmm. folks, as well as like the entire Rogue One crew, right, are going to do the same thing because that's what it takes. That's what ultimately actually wins mm-hmm. the war. It's not Luke Skywalker having a saber battle with Darth Vader. That's oh. dramatic and it's cool and it's legendary, but that's not the war. No, the mm-hmm. war are the like, bodies he steps on to get. Them. There. like mm. that's what it is right
2: yeah and, and can we just talk about marva for a second because i love her story so firstly like when cassian comes back and marva he's like she
0: you who they are marva is cassian's yeah. adoptive yeah
2: like cassian comes back for her and he's like come away with me please like i'll worry about you every day if you don't and she's like i can't leave i'm here for the rebellion and mm-hmm. i understand why you can't stay but mm-hmm. i can't leave and that really resonated with me like on a real world level as most of this show did to be honest Mm -hmm. with you like there since you know things like Roe v. Wade being pushed back for example there have been questions about should people leave certain states like you know who can stay and who will leave and certain people you know want to stay Mm -hmm. to fight back but also it's not safe for some people stay and like the way she like was like I need to stay but Mm -hmm. I respect you going I felt was just like a really beautiful way to like handle the different ways to (laughs) react as a
3: native Texan can I just say thank you for saying that because (laughs) it Apparently, but those of us who are, you know, well, I mean, and to some extent.
0: I don't want to go into too many details for reasons, but like we can touch on it briefly. There is a conference that we are very attached to. PCA is in Texas next year. And very explicitly, Hannah is not going Fair? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I can't go. Like, and by the mm-hmm. way, I I, as I say, I am and I am. I was born in Alabama. I've lived in Mississippi for most of my life. but now I live in North Carolina. So like, this, <laughs> well, no. I was going to say that the the South and like the conditions people live under is deeply personal to me Mm -hmm. only because I live here and have lived here, but I cannot in good conscience go Mm -hmm. if only but one. I have a suspicion the pandemic Mm -hmm. will still be raging and Mm -hmm. I can't justify flying in the middle of a pandemic. And I also just... (laughs) Can't understand and respect mm-hmm. people who do not feel safe traveling to Texas right. or the other states. Although I not will like circle it back to the show and say like something that like that I realized years ago is that Mississippi isn't the worst part of America. Really, Mississippi is a microcosm of America. It like the like what is being played out in Mississippi plays out everywhere. Yes. Like there there is to borrow mm-hmm. Marva's words, there is a whoop in this country, and we haven't dealt with it and... It's festering and growing.
0: But the reason I brought it up was yeah. at that same conference in Texas. I mean, so John, you live there, you can't get away. I'm voluntarily going, right? And I'm the only yeah. one I think that's going to go this year from our show. Whereas if you've listened to the show the last few years, we always have a special episode of Voc Pop, Pop from PCA, even when it was virtual, that might not happen this year because it's just going to be me. So, like, but like for exactly the reasons that we're talking about with Marva, right? Like, it is completely reasonable that some people can do this and some some people have to you know like for it's complicated it, it is well, a complicated world and I love that they allowed it to be complicated on the show and I, and that's where I was getting at earlier when I said I understand why they're giving us so much to show how much Marva and Cassian love each other like they needed the slow burn in order to get there like I understand why I just found it painful to get there and once they got there I'm like okay yeah I see why you're doing it I see why it was there but oh was it slow it was 70 pages a little it, you know, like I get it. You don't know, you've never read Little Dorit. I,
1: I don't intend to. Yeah, skip the, just skip the first 70 pages. Yeah,
2: <laughs> someone please skip the first 70 pages yeah. and tell me your reading experience after doing that.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I have more stuff I'd love to say about Marva, but it involves the last episode. So I don't know if we want yeah. to go there. Are we ready to go there?
2: Does anyone want me to read her monologue because I wrote it all down because I loved it so much?
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, going back to this idea of like who the leaders are of the resistance, you know, we have the big name characters, we have all the, you know, the Luthans and the Mon Mothmas and all these folks, Aguirre. but Marva is a special case, you know, we talked about how we don't have the Jedi and the Sith and all these big things, but in, in a way, like Marva acts, this just occurred to me as I was thinking about this show, in that last episode, is she not kind of a force ghost? Yeah, right. Yeah. She appears as a hologram at, from beyond the grave, speaking to her people. And then firing them and giving them the speech and everything. And then they start to rise up. I <laughs> think my favorite part, and I can't stop laughing about this, you know, part of their ritual is that they take the ashes of the dead oh, person I love and that. Them into a brick, yeah. right? Into this love brick that's it. supposed to go into a wall, right? It'd be like a foundation of this memorial wall. But then when the rocket breaks out, right? <laughs> take the brick that's made of Marva's ashes and starts bashing stormtroopers. <laughs> love it. Marva, right? Yeah. Like, how could that get any? I mean, here is Marva appearing as a force ghost, but also as an actual physical object yes. being used to fight back. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is, mm. this is perfect. I, okay. Again, it's that person who is in the scope of things, a very small person in mm-hmm. a very specific place mm-hmm. and yet she's doing something remarkable. You know, She's a community I, leader. Yeah. They point that Absolutely. out. Absolutely. She's a and community I, organizer. I love the fact that these people are so working class that their
0: tradition, their life tradition is that when you die, you get cremated and become the fucking brick that is Stop so awesome. amazing loved, everything, so about awesome. loved um, everything about it loved everything about it and so
2: I really I I was kind of kidding about the monologue but now I actually do want to read the monologue because there's something yeah. interesting with community going on here so she you know starts talking about how like the dead lifted her with their truths and now she finally gets to oh map no so so, Mar- so Marva says I want you to go on I want Eric to continue I fear for you, we've been sleeping. We've had each other and Ferrix, our work, our days, we've had each other and they left us alone. no. (laughs) We kept the trade lanes open and they left us alone. We took their money and ignored them. We kept their engines turning. (laughs) And the moment they pulled away, we forgot them because we had each other. We had barracks, but we were asleep. I've been sleeping. We've been turning away from a truth I've not wanted to face. There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There is a darkness reaching like rust into everything around us. We let it grow and now it's here. It's here, and it's not visiting anymore. It wants to stay. The Empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. It is never more alive than when we sleep. It's easy for the dead to tell you to fight, and maybe it's true. Maybe fighting is useless. Perhaps it's too late, but I'll tell you this. If I could do it again, I'd wake up early, and I'd be fighting these bastards from the start fight the Empire. And of course, like, toward the end, she's getting interrupted by stormtroopers, and I can't quite recreate that, but what is interesting to me about this speech is like, so like in Dickens novels, which I've gone on about as recently as last episode, the way that you survive the horrors of capital in Dickens is find your own little community, kind of, and huddle down. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I wrote about this in my honors thesis, my senior year (laughs) uh, undergraduate, about Little Dorrit. Like, they find a little community and they weather the horrors of capital and bureaucracy and prisons by finding like their own little ethical piece together. But like, what... Maribas Pussian is actually, like, we've had each other and barracks. <sighs> like, so we were asleep, like, we we didn't want to lose each other, we didn't want to lose our community, it made us hesitant to act, we see this with, I believe his name is Lonnie, who's spying for Luthien on the Empire, and he wants to get out, because he, like, has a daughter now, and he doesn't <laughs> want to lose her, mm-hmm. so I, I absolutely think that, like, there is, like, a collective action, like, you know, the ways that, like, Jody Dean has talked about in, in, in like the ways many people like who theorize like radical action talk about. But it also seems like a, toward the end. There's like this like question about like what, how does relationships and like love affect how you act? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
3: But I, I mean, isn't there also in that quote, at least recognition or acknowledgement of sort of our own complicity in this, right, that we wanted our peace, that we wanted, you know, to be left alone. And so we went yep. along up to a point, right, until we are now starting to realize that was a mistake. we we shouldn't have been going along we shouldn't have been you know so concerned about our own little teeth you know in in our little corner and now it's almost too late unless we start fighting I think yeah it's both those things like community and family that's going to ultimately motivate people to resist but it's Mm. also what holds them back from resisting Mm. for a time right because we want to protect those things until we start to realize wait a minute I've been asleep I haven't been paying attention to what's really happening here and now we're in even more danger than if we had just fought from the beginning and
2: I, I mean I think that that's you know true of a lot of it like it, it could be applied to a lot of activist work of you know sometimes people are just tired like you know you don't want to be the person to push back against your employer if there's something wrong at work you don't want to necessarily be pinned as an activist especially if like there's you know an actual you know you there are, like there there are dangers at going to protest it's not always like it's not always just you know like a calm mm-hmm. women's march in Raleigh I say as someone who attended a calm women's March in Raleigh you, you know like there's there there are you know things you get Give up by telling and I telling the truth, and I, I also think that it's interesting that she says, that you says know, we don't want to face the truth. Like I, I kind of thought of this as like a pandemic thing to some degree because like it was hard to, for so many people to face that like you would have to give stuff up. Like well, that's activism
0: know? in general, though, right? Like so, yeah. the hard part about activism, and this is again, this is what I like about this show. It's what I like about Rogue One. The hard part that people miss about the way movements work is that the things that we- we celebrate are not what gets the job done people will one thing that you'll always see people say is well why do they have to protest in the streets why can't they protest where they're not bothering anybody because that's not a fuck protest right like why do you have mm-hmm. riot why can't you why can't you do things the way that Martin Luther King would have done and if you listen to our to that the episode where we talked about that Martin Luther King was one guy who did not end racism by himself that is not a thing that happened right. <laughs> it is you know and he also got shot in the head like that part of the story is important right like the, what ends up happening is, um, the reason collective, ma- collective action matters, the reason riots matter, the reason protests matter, the reason all of this stuff matters is that if you have power, it's easy to just spend billions and make something happen. If you don't have billions of dollars, it is the continual sacrifices of a lot of people whose names you never learn, who just like maybe destroy property, maybe they get their property destroyed, maybe they die in a ditch trying to, you know, get, get plans of a rebel base from point A to point B, right? That's just, that's how resistances are actually built. I don't think it was on our show, I think on on our friend Danny Anderson's show, where when the Trump election happened and everything, and we talked about, you know, I talked about resistance movements, and my frustration with people, if you remember when people were like, oh, Trump's not my president, you know, hashtag resist, I'm part of the resistance, and I was like, well, are you really? Because if you're going to say that, understand what a resistance really is, and they don't, they're not just posting links on Facebook and Twitter. right like like the I mean and things aren't important they are because spreading messaging is actually also important but spreading messaging is not enough to make a revolution happen or rebellion happen rebellions happen when and revolution happens and progress happens you know when people put skin in the game and that's why strikes exist that's why riots exist that's why the the, the, the
1: Hutzpah project that I work on we've told mm -hmm. the story of so many resistance fighters in that I've read so many more and yeah, it's exactly that. We're for you know, just as a reminder, micro histories of, of survivors of the Holocaust who mm-hmm. include you know, resistance fighters and all the stuff. And yeah, so much of it is, you know, people living in the woods for two years and you not surviving. Right. You, these very small, you know, I'm not, wow, that was a bad way of saying a small acts of resistance. Some mm-hmm. of them were small acts of resistance. But some of them, mm-hmm. you know, these people lost everything. But most we boil people it down then, to, yeah, we yeah. boil it
0: down to, hey, there was a war. There were some concentration camps and Frank, and then there was a nuclear bomb and
3: that was it. Like that's yeah, right. Yeah, how we
0: tell the story. Yeah, it's right. not how World War II happened. The nuclear I mean, yeah, bomb the wasn't mythic, even there.
3: Right? Yeah. That's the mythic version of the story, yes, which is what yeah. we've gotten in Star Wars. In a lot mm-hmm. of the early Star Wars is we're getting the that's mythic it. tale and not this version. But I love the way, you know, Marfa's version of resistance, you know, the community activism, the coming together, the grassroots revolt, it ties back in theme at least to what I think is probably the single greatest piece of Star Wars monologue writing in the entire franchise, and that was Luthen's What Do You Sacrifice monologue, right? Mm-hmm. And he also talks about the tiny, like, you know, tiny in a sense of one person doing something secretly that nobody ever sees, but huge in the sense of what it tributes, right, to this resistance. Mm-hmm. I feel like those two, it's tying those two things together. So we have what has to happen in communities, among families, among people sort of working together to what these individuals having to fight all by themselves in darkness and, <laughs> and silence kind of have to deal with you you know simultaneously and it takes both right there's not like one of those is not going to win the war but you kind of have to have both things and I think Luthen's speech there just I mean it when I saw it the first time it blew me away like I, I had to keep rewatching it because I'm like wow this is powerful stuff <laughs> but I would note, like the spy right the <laughs> imperial spy that he's talking to is like, basically making the same argument right mm-hmm. That I need to go take care of my family yes like mm-hmm. why would I keep fighting when my family's at risk I need to go protect yeah. them and Luthen's like no sorry yeah, your so, yeah, family I, is not yeah yeah he's- <laughs> tells him to his face. He's like, I have a, like, I guess he he just had a child. I'm a father now.
0: I have a child. This has to be my yeah. priority. No, your priority is the war. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. I mean, but that's how that works, right? So that's, you know, every rebellion in the history of mankind has stories like that, and we don't know their names, and this is sort of, this is sort of trying to tell you. That's what the, that's what this story is, which I love. I
2: yeah. Also, like, again, to kind of go back to what I think this is doing that, you know, Rogue One did with, uh, with, like, big concepts that, like, sometimes mean nothing, but sometimes means something very specific and interesting, like love or hope or truth. And Marv is talking about truth. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you might all say, oh, yeah, truth got it. But, like, I was thinking, <laughs> Matt called me a nerd for this because I texted him before the show. I was like, I'm thinking about Foucault right now. Oh, and boy. Or. <laughs> so, Nerds. Yeah. And or. So, nerd. Yeah. And it's not like Foucault that like, I think, traditionally gets assigned. It's like Foucault's lectures on the courage of truth. And, like, mm-hmm. he he theorizes something called parathesia, which is the courage of truth in the person who speaks and who regardless of everything takes the risk of telling the whole truth but it's also the person who's listening courage in agreeing to accept the hurtful truth that he hears i think that like a huge problem with you know our current real life situation is that there are people speaking truth and it's just very it's like in some ways i think too painful for people to like want to accept and this could be about anything i think this is why we have arguments about loads of things whether it's you know trying to to talk about, like, propaganda and the prison industrial complex or, you know, the Republican Party or <laughs> the pandemic and how it's still raging on and how, you know, like, it's still <sighs> important to protect vulnerable people because it's hard. Like, when you recognize that something is so structurally wrong. You can't just individually fix it by yourself. And also sometimes it means that you have to change or give something up, it, even if it's something as simple as, you know, I want to pretend it's 2019 and go to a big New Year's Eve party, which to be fair, I suppose I've never really wanted to do because <laughs> crowds. But, you know, like you, like facing the truth is hard. And then when you and even if you face the truth, I think like once you face the truth goes back to, you know, the, these characters who like are trying to decide whether or not to act like what will you have to give up to act like it won't just be necessarily your reality but it could be your family it could be your friends it could be certain things you took for granted it could be your positionality it could be your life of course I'm talking in broad generalities but I mean that that's as you know we've all been saying what certain movements require so I appreciate how this show got into the complexity of that and how like it's not linear but at the same time I think that you know Cassian's journey and the fact that like he went to prison and like, had all these other experiences and like he he felt he could no longer like not act and not join the rebellion like it really worked for me
3: mm-hmm. yeah and you know Diego Luna talked about this a little bit too in some of his interviews you know he was drawn to the character because again he was positioned as a kind of as a refugee as a criminal at least in the eyes of the empire as a marginalized person who then undergoes this whole trauma of you know losing people and going to prison like he basically basically get the whole range of these experiences, right, that tend to <laughs> radicalize people, right, against oppression. And that was what he was so interested in, you know, as a as an actor. And I can see why that's such a powerful thing to be able to, like, take that journey from, you know, I'm just trying to stay out of the way and <laughs> take care of my own people and not be involved, you know, to the point that now I'm going to actively fight back. Like, and it does take a journey and it's really powerful to me, which is, you know, what I really loved about the show.
2: Yeah, it was do one last 19th century, right? reference. I really I suppose it's not strictly 19th century. I really felt like in some ways this was like a more strictly pot, plotted like picaresque novel because like Cassian are something like Jane Eyre or, or Gulliver's Travels where like, he would go into these smaller worlds and he would be in these pockets and like show us something by like him being in the prison or on Ferrix or in the like Bonnie heist. And so like I don't know, it just felt like a good 19th century space story. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we've resolved nothing. No.
2: <laughs> I think we've resolved I'm the only one who's ever got Little Dorit Yeah,
1: that's, yes, <laughs> yeah that,
3: that, that's fair. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to go with you on that one.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I did. I think I enjoyed this more than I would have enjoyed reading Little Dorrit. I'm sorry, Hannah, but I, <laughs> I liked it. I don't know that I would have changed it. I mean, I said that it started out too slow. I guess maybe there's enough there to where I get it. What I like about it I like that it is grown up I like that it is trying to take big swings when we talked about um, Mandalorian and when we talked about Obi-Wan we talked about the fact that I like that Star Wars has matured to the point where this not every part of the epic needs to be for everybody like you can tell different kinds of stories in the Star Wars universe the same way you can tell different kinds of stories in the Marvel universe right like I'm okay with that I like that this is so adult and grown up and just not just dark like I don't mean just dark and edgy it's got something different to say that we've just talked about for the last hour and change, right? Like, I love that. So maybe it's okay like, you know, maybe it's okay that they're gonna make some Star Wars stuff that I don't like. Like, this I was like right on the edge of like, maybe we're getting to a point where Star Wars is gonna be great and you can watch stuff that I don't love. I watched something that I didn't (laughs) love today. (laughs) Speaking of things that I might not like everything I was gonna talk, you know, because it is Christmas, it is Life Day, and uh, we were gonna talk about the Star Wars holiday special from years ago, and then I thought, hey, why don't I watch this new Star Wars Lego holiday special they put out? So I watched that. Did anybody else catch this? Uh-uh. I did not. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, it was so bad. I just almost watched it. I was I wanted to go and catch it for today's show because I didn't catch it in time for our cheesy Christmas special episode last week. And I was like, I need to get on that because I wanted to be able to at least report on it during this. I liked the original holiday special more than I like the Legos holiday special. It was crap. It is just it's just nonsense. And it's like I like the Lego movies a lot, but this is one of the Lego movies that is literally just for kids to go, hey, I recognize that. Oh, that's a Luke Skywalker. I know who that is. That, that's a baby Yoda. I know who that is. And that's a Kylo Ren. I know who that I mean, it, it's just pointing and it, and the voice acting is annoying. The story is annoying. There's nothing to it, you know, and there's no weird porno scene with Chewbacca's grandfather like there is in the original holiday special. I don't
3: know. It, it wasn't the flow build up that irritated you? No, it's just bad.
4: <laughs>
3: so, so, don't you
0: know, if you've not watched it yet save yourself some time maybe if you have like a four year old and you just want to have them watch some moving pictures while you take a nap you could throw it on but if your kid's five this is probably not cerebral enough
4: (laughs) So that's,
0: that, that's where it is. Ouch. It's bad. It's so bad. But anyway, John, thank you for joining us for this episode. Yeah, thanks, this John. was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. thank
3: you. I enjoyed it. This was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. If people want to find out more about you or your work and where they can follow you online? Actually, don't follow me. Follow our Realizing Resistance conference. If you actually just go type in Realizing Resistance episode three, it'll take you to our page that tells you about not just this conference, but the previous ones. And we've got some cool stuff up there, podcast, some podcasts and postings for pop up events that we've done. So If you want to you know, get more Star Wars up, feel free to go check that out and kind of see what all we've had going on and what we're going to have going on in the future. We will link to that in the show notes, of course. Yeah.
0: And palindrome Hannah.
2: You know I'm going to what I'm going to say.
0: Maybe you'll be inventive this week. You'll surprise me It's Christmas. It's the Christmas season.
2: It's the Feast of Stephen. Yes. So, (laughs) you know, try to find something that gives you hope. Maybe that's donating to your local abortion fund. Maybe it's donating to your food bank. Maybe it's supporting your local strike fund. Maybe it's maybe be just, you know, staying home if you're feeling sniffly to make sure you don't mm-hmm. infect someone. So, you know, it's the holidays. Be <laughs> <Stay> safe. <laughs> Love your neighbor.
1: <laughs> Wayne, where can people I'm just use tired of, life I, I, I'm <laughs> just tired of King Winslet looking down on all of us. That's all oh, I got.
2: But he's not looking down on us. He's He notices that there is a poor man and he says, Paige, hey, bring me like food and pine logs. We'll bear him thither. And the whole point of the song is that if you... Bless the poor, you will yourself be blessed, even if it's in a small way, aka you're a cold little page and you're warmed <laughs> by the saints' footsteps on your way home. Oh,
1: okay. Gotcha. More than
2: you ever want to know about Good King listening anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wrap it up, Mav. You know. <laughs> what I heard
3: was, may the poor be with you. Yeah, yes, there you go. <laughs> on that note and as
0: always you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook all the places always at Chris Maverick you can follow the show all those same places at Vox Popcast you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com, where we post about whatever we're going to talk about next week which I don't know if we'll post about it but I know what next week is next week should be things you missed it should be our annual (laughs) year recap show which is one of our favorite shows so hopefully I got around to writing a blog or Hannah did or Wayne did or Katya did or Monica did hopefully somebody wrote a blog if not please give us a comment, letting us know things that we should be checking out before the end of the year. That might be a book. It might be a TV show. It might be a movie, music. You know, what your should game. we... Board games. Yeah, things that you miss. It's, it's, this is one of the best shows of the year. I mean, every show's great. This is like one of my favorite things to do. For one thing, because it's all of us together, which is, you know, that doesn't happen on most shows. But also there's going to be a lot of sort of recommendations for pop culture media that you might... you oh, might discover
1: something new. So... Yes.
0: So yeah. so, yeah. So give us your thoughts on what things that we should be talking about out on that show or any other show give us your thoughts on this episode let us know what you think about and or about you know our theories about you know what it has to say about war in the prison industrial complex (laughs) we always want to know what your feedback is
2: oh sorry I was going to say also you can write us a review that just says better than the Star Wars Lego Christmas special
0: (laughs) that's what I was going to say if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five star review that really helps us out especially if you you, I guess write us a review that says you're better than the Star Wars Lego Christmas. we are I mean seriously whatever you think about the show we are absolutely better than the Star Wars Lego Christmas special it was so pointless it was it was such a trudge it's only 49 minutes I aged 47 years during that time <laughs> it was so bad save yourself I watched so you don't have to anyway I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme songs, going ever so more epically and playing us out out, I'd once again like to thank John for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
4: Bye. Bye.